The recent debt ceiling standoff gave a glimpse into just how catastrophic a federal default would be for the U.S. economy. After weeks of stalemate and more than 24 hours of delay, the Senate finally voted last night to raise the debt limit and avert a potentially catastrophic default. This would surely be on the order of the 2008 financial crisis and possibly worse. But this isn't the first impasse the federal government has had over the debt limit. In fact, the U.S. has faced very similar crises in the past, most notably in 1995, 2011, and 2013. The stakes are higher than ever as the ceiling approaches closer to $30 trillion for the first time in history. We're essentially throwing a gigantic Molotov cocktail into our own house. And it's the only house that we live in. A bipartisan agreement to raise the debt ceiling is the easiest way to end the crisis. But there are other solutions to breaking the standoff, including a $1 trillion coin that has gained more traction in recent years. A trillion dollar platinum coin? What is that? It sounds like the setup to a heist movie not something that the United States Treasury Department ought to be doing. It's really a gimmick, and what's necessary is for Congress to show that um, the world can count on America paying its debts. This is a silly solution to a silly problem. But as Joe Weisenthal and Paul Krugman and a number of other folks are talking about, this is actually a serious solution that we should take seriously because it can help us to essentially avoid the political football that is being played with the debt ceiling. So what exactly would happen if the U.S. government fails to raise the debt ceiling? And can a $1 trillion coin really put a stop to the crisis? As of October 2021, the U.S. government is sitting in more than $28 trillion of national debt. This amount is accrued when the U.S. government spends more money than it makes from taxation. For instance, in 2020, the federal government reported a revenue of $3.4 trillion, but spent over $6.5 trillion in the same year. To cover the cost, the government borrows money from individual investors and various financial organizations in the form of bonds. Let's say a person buys a $1,000 bond, they get a piece of paper in return for $1,000. And then what the federal government promises to do is pay a certain amount of interest on that periodically. And then after a certain amount of time, repay the $1,000. And so what the person gets in return for that piece of paper is these interest payments, and then eventually their full principal back. The debt ceiling refers to the maximum amount of money the U.S. Treasury can borrow in the form of bond sales. Over the years, the debt ceiling has seen an exponential increase as the national debt continues to climb. In 1993, the national debt limit sat at $4.37 trillion, or over $8 trillion when adjusted for inflation. By October 7, 2021, the U.S. Senate would approve a bill to temporarily increase that limit to about $28.8 trillion. What used to happen was that Congress would have to attach an authorization to every single bill 
that required some amount of borrowing or taxing or spending. And as you can imagine, that was super annoying. Sometimes Congress would overestimate the amount of money that a particular bill would need. Sometimes they would underestimate it. But by creating this quote unquote debt ceiling, this broad authority for Treasury to borrow, actually it simplified the whole process. Once decisions are made, we have to pay the bills that come from those decisions. And so to place an arbitrary ceiling on our debt and to create periodic crises, manufactured crises that um, really place our economy and our financial system at risk, especially now that we're recovering from the pandemic uh, in a fragile way, um, I, I consider this irresponsible. If the government fails to extend the debt ceiling whenever it is needed, the Treasury will no longer be able to raise the funds to pay its obligations. This results in what's known as a default, which could leave severe consequences on the economy. There's no question it would be terrible. A lot of the global financial system depends on treating U.S. Treasuries as basically without risk. And if the United States does not make good on its commitments on time, that premise is called into question. And the consequences could be quite dire. We would no doubt see the stock market would react, the bond market would react. If it went on for more than a day and bond markets started to get the impression that indeed the U.S. government was not actually going to make its interest payments on time, it would surely be catastrophic. Even the simple threat of a default is enough to leave dire consequences. A similar standoff in 2011 led to significant market volatility as well as a downgrade of the country's credit rating. One worry here is that even if we do not default, that maybe we call into question the perfect risk-free status that we traditionally enjoy and maybe cause financial institutions and others to think about us in ways that are slightly more risky than they have thought about us before. The easiest solution to any debt ceiling crisis is a bipartisan agreement. Both Democrats and the Republicans realize the threat of a default on the U.S. economy and agree to raise the debt ceiling, as they have done for decades. But that isn't the only solution. The debt limit can also be raised by a process known as budget reconciliation. Created in 1974, this process can expedite the passage of certain tax, spending, and debt limit legislation. What would otherwise require a 60-vote majority in the Senate to pass would only require 51 votes, or 50 votes plus the vice president, as the tiebreaker. It sounds simple enough, but whether it's realistic is another story. It's not a solution that the current administration and Congress at present appears to want to have to use. It's procedurally very complicated. There are some folks that believe that maybe it's just too difficult to actually implement. The reason they're hesitant to do that, it seems, is that it forces them to specify a dollar amount raised to the debt limit. In the last decade, we've moved to suspending the debt limit for certain periods of time. And I think congressmen like that better because it doesn't give their political opponents a number to stick into a political ad. If Democrats move through reconciliation, they'll have to stick a number into that law. And that number is likely to be over $30 trillion now. And so they're worried about the way that that looks and the way voters will judge them for that. The remaining solutions get a bit more radical. The president can potentially use the 14th Amendment to increase the debt ceiling by themselves. It states, 
the validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, shall not be questioned. The debt limit is specified by statute. So there's no question that the president could change statutory language all on his own just by citing the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. That would totally upend our whole constitutional order. That's not realistic. Congress has made it really clear through their actions over the past years that they consider it in their purview to raise the debt ceiling. That in and of itself suggests that if the president were to say, no, 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 it's under my purview to raise the debt ceiling, you create a crisis about powers in the executive branch versus powers in Congress. Then there is the idea of minting a trillion dollar coin, which was first discussed during a similar crisis in 2011. Generally, the Federal Reserve determines when and how much money the Treasury Department can print. But some scholars identified a law in 1997 that allows the Treasury Secretary to mint and issue platinum coins in whatever denomination and quantity. The U.S. Treasury has an account, like almost like a checking account, at the Federal Reserve. That might surprise you, but like literally you can go to the Federal Reserve's financial statement and see how much the U.S. Treasury has deposited at the Federal Reserve and can actually, in a sense, write checks on that account. So U.S. Treasury could mint its trillion dollar platinum coin and deposit it at the Federal Reserve. And then the U.S. Treasury would effectively have a checking account with an extra trillion dollars in it that they can then use to pay their obligations. Whether it will actually be effective depends on who it is you ask. A trillion dollar platinum coin? What is that? It sounds like the setup to a heist movie not something that the United States Treasury Department ought to be doing. And I think the fact that it strikes people as so outlandish is not just a small little flaw, it's a real problem because the Treasury Department depends on confidence of global investors and of the American people. And if it seems to be playing strange games, it could seriously erode that confidence. It's a way to get around political gridlock. It's not a way to run a country. It is not a way to run the kind of sophisticated financial system that we have today. This is not a way to assure the governments of the world and the world economy that we are in fact as risk-free as we are supposed to be. This is not the way to do it, but in the absence of other solutions, it's certainly a plausible way forward. As frightening as default sounds, experts reassure that it's quite unlikely to happen anytime soon. I would suggest and argue and hope that a default is unlikely, that the debt ceiling is being used as a kind of naked political leverage technique without necessarily having any conditions attached to it. That being said, there is still hope that our political leaders will do what is right and stave off a default as needs be and have a serious conversation about taxing and spending than what this panic about a debt ceiling would allow. Perhaps the bigger issue is that even if the current crisis were to be averted, the U.S. still faces numerous fiscal deadlines that need to be addressed before the end of 2021. We have to think about incredibly important legislative items, but all of that is going to have to be done in the shadow of the debt ceiling. And as far as political decision making is concerned, I'm not sure that's a very optimal way for congressional leaders and congressional lawmakers to have to think about the rulemaking in front of them. That task is hard enough already without having to strategize about what they do in December come the debt ceiling. I think as far as the agenda is concerned, it's going to make things extremely difficult, much harder than they already are, which is hard. 
already. If the recurring debate over the debt ceiling has proven anything, it's that despite numerous shutdowns and standoffs, Congress's fiscal drama is likely to continue for years to come. I'm not naive enough to think that all policymakers need to do is get in a room and hash it out and surely they can make good policy. These are deep-seated disagreements that we have, and it's not just policymakers who have those disagreements, they're representing us. We have these disagreements. And so, yes, I wish we were debating and getting to compromise on these really important issues around fiscal policy and what kind of federal government we want, rather than spinning our wheels on this pointless debate about the debt ceiling.